ASMR. 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 Feel my nails. Ew, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Pickles are disgusting. I'm drinking something on a steel straw now. Because you're eco-friendly? I'm very eco-friendly, I have no idea. My mother-in-law saw my straw today and I think, she's, I think she thought it was something else. So, I don't know, she's like, what are those? And I was like, it's straws. What are those? Well, because yeah. there's a thing that looks like a straw, but yes. you put it in your butt. So, yeah. I forget like, the name of it. Uh, I think it's not for the butt. I think it's for the, the urethra. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like oh, sounding, I... yeah? You guys, uh -huh. um, this is going to be a very um, this turns <laughs> random ass so fact. Random ass sexual fact about um me mm. well not about me about my capabilities of persuasion mm -hmm. when i was in high school i used to <laughs> hang out on chat roulette all the time like no. i was on chat roulette like all day every day because i was bored as fuck mm. so this one time on chat roulette i made this guy get a little screwdriver and put it up his pp hole And it was so much fun. I was like dying laughing. And because I was like, oh, if you do this, oh. then I'll show you my boobs. So he did it. And he looked like he, he was in so much pain. And then I just disconnected. Are you a psychopath? <gasps> and you, and no. you guys thought I was a serial killer in this equation. You are. Oh my the serial God. Killer. I was just having fun. <gasps> Yeah, that and I disconnected, so and then like I didn't go on chat roulette for like two weeks because I was like, I don't want him to find me again. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh yeah. man. No, but I met like. Hold on one second. <clears throat> Gonna have to cut that out because mm. I'm fucking dying. That's I have fine. a cold. Yeah. Um, I met this guy mm. on chat roulette. <laughs> I was 16, and he was 27 at the time. No, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, 28. And, like, I talked to him for, like, two whole years. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, gonna actually meet this guy in person. But then I don't know why I chickened out. But, like, now that I'm an adult, I think about it. I'm like, yeah. why is a random-ass guy, a 28-year-old, talking to some 16-year-old from chat roulette? And he's from, like, the neighboring state from where I live. So he was going to come and see me. Like, we made plans several times, and then I always chickened out. Good for you. I think I would have gotten murdered. Yeah, you either would have gotten murdered, or you would get would have gotten, like, in a very abusive relationship, and then you get murdered, like, yeah, so. 20 years later. Yeah, so those are my, my wild adventures, guys, in the internet. I had an internet boyfriend when I lived in Brazil. Oh. My dad has internet girlfriends. But weren't you like 10 years old in Brazil? I was like 13. Oh. And he was like 20. Oof. But in Brazil, it's like normalized, you know what I mean? Well, now it's becoming more taboo. Yeah. But when I was in Brazil, it was normal. Okay, unnecessary. Unnecessary um, what? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways you guys welcome, welcome to Suspiria <laughs> yeah welcome to Time podcast who is this I'm Carol and I'm Stephanie and yeah. we're amazing and we talk about sexual uh 
endeavors in this. No, that this is not that type mm-hmm. of podcast. Yeah, we talk about true crime. <laughs> yeah, this is a true crime podcast. Uh, if you didn't notice it yet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we've talked about Stephanie's crimes today, but it wasn't yeah. a crime. He did it willingly. Did That's I true. deceive him? Yes, I did tell him he was going <laughs> to see my boobs, but everything after that, he did it on his own. Sorry if you're an idiot and you just believe some random girl on chat roulette. That's true. <laughs> None of my problem. Oh, no, that was. <laughs> oh man, poor guy. If you're listening right now, I'm so sorry. Can you if imagine like, some years from now he comes out and like this podcast no. or harassed me? <laughs> no, imagine if someday we make it really big and like some guy just writes an article to BuzzFeed. Let me tell you how Stephanie abused me in 2010 on chat roulette. I look forward to the press. <laughs> anyway, I what are we talking about? I chat with Stephanie every single week, and she has never told me to introduce anything to my pee-pee hole. Okay, exactly. I'm fine. Yeah, Yeah. so you're going to be the, 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 <laughs> the defense, character yeah, the defense <laughs> witness. <laughs> What are, what are we talking about today, Carol? Today we're talking about one of the hugest <laughs> cases in... Where's the drums? Brazilian history. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. We're back to Brazil. You guys back thought... to the jungle. Ha, ha, you guys ha, ha. thought... You guys thought we'll never talk about it again, but guess what? You were wrong. We will, multiple times. And this is one of the biggest ones. We're talking about... The case of Marcos Matsunaga and Elise Matsunaga. Yeah, or also known as, as the Yaki case. Yeah. So Yaki, guys, you know, um, you've, if you have a Brazilian community around you, mm-hmm. you've probably seen Yaki. Um, it's spelled Y-O-K-I. Mm-hmm. Um, you've probably seen it at the supermarket. I see it all the time whenever I go to a, a neighborhood mm-hmm. that has Brazilian people. But if you don't know it, it's a brand of um, grocery stuff. It's like Goya. Mm-hmm. Goya is more yeah. popular here. So, but, um, like Goya. Yeah, but it's pretty much that. So. Yeah, they sell like it's popcorn. What else? Flour. Like, flour, chips, farofa. Mm-hmm. What else? Tea, tons of stuff. They have everything. Yeah, they have everything. Beans, beans, corn. Yeah, corn. Everything. Tons of yeah, corn meal, meal meals. Oh my god, mm-hmm. corn meals. Yeah, tons of stuff. So yeah, it's. I mean, you guys are gonna like see that most, like most of the other cases that we covered from Brazil, they are uh, big cases that made it huge in the media, and it's a yeah. lot of. It, it can be a lot of he said, she said. But uh, as always, we try to be as close to the truth as possible and as impartial as possible. And yeah, I just want you guys to keep in mind because we, as always, 
It's every single case we cover. We don't know 100% what happened. We have a confession. We have an official timeline and exactly. uh, opinions as to what happened. But is it 100% the truth? I don't know. We're going to present all the theories. You know, we're going to say, oh, this is what she says happened. This is what the official version, the, you know, the events of what happened. And uh, a lot of the character stuff. So when people like, when there's descriptions of the persons and the players involved in this, a lot of it is used to uh, assassinate character, either mm -hmm. for Marcus or, or for Elise. You know what I mean? So just keep that in mind that if you hear some horrible stuff, you know, like, oh, he did this or she did that, it might not be true. You know what I mean? But we're putting it for transparency's sake because it might be true. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah we, I mean, we might even say, like, her opinions at the end. And there's a ton, like, we kind of know what happened, but, um, you know, just just draw your own, your own conclusions, you know, as to... What were the motives and what really happened that one fateful night? So, yep, let's go. So, as is tradition for this podcast, we're doing a content warning for uh, today's episode. So, um, we're going to be talking about some pretty serious themes and, you know, involving murder and description of those acts and uh, events that follow. So, if you're sensitive to graphic descriptions and you know that kind of thing beware of that all right so elisa araujo kitano matsunaga was born on november 29th 1981 to a poor family in shoppingzinho a small countryside town in the state of paraná brazil paraná is in the southern state of uh, brazil yeah southern state no the southern <laughs> region of brazil So she was a daughter of a single mom who worked as a maid, and she studied in public schools and was always a quiet person and a good student. She says that if she had been born a mute person, she would have been happier in her life. She's really quiet and like, you know, yeah. So if you guys want a visual of what this lady looks like, she looks like Angela from The Office. Yes, exactly. Yeah. She looks a lot like Angela. A lot like Angela from The Office. So yeah, that's I, I couldn't I couldn't really find anyone that looks like Marcus, but uh, I'm gonna we're gonna post pictures of them. You know what maybe I mean? maybe remember no I was gonna say maybe yeah. that one episode when uh, Jim uh, hires this friend mm -hmm. of his to pretend that he's Jim, no. the Asian friend. But I, that's just yeah. racist of me <laughs> to assume that like all the Asians look yeah. alike. No, he has a, a peculiar face. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. Like, the way his eyes are, I don't know. It's, it's, you guys need to look at pictures of him. Like, it's, it's not, he, I don't think he really looks like anyone, if that makes any sense. So, yeah. when Elisa turned 18, she moved to Curitiba, Curitiba is the uh, biggest city, the capital of Paraná. So, she moves to Curitiba to become a nurse technician. She then, after a little bit, moved to Sao Paulo, where she worked at hospitals and clinics until she started doing sex work after she learned that one of her friends was paying for a college education that way. Elise wanted to go to law school, so she started doing the same to pay for her education. Which is super common. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even here, but mm -hmm. like that, I'm just saying. Again, judgment-free zone. You know, you do what you want. So, uh, Marcos Kitano Matsunaga was a native of Sao Paulo. He was the son of Japanese immigrants and uh, the heir of a famous trusty company that we already told you guys everything about, Yaki. Yaki. 
Yaki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yaki, I... Uh, I try to translate what Yaki actually means because, like, the logo has, like, some Japanese, Japanese like, words word, on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find what it means. So, if you guys speak Japanese, please tell me what it means because I, I, I worked <laughs> on this for, like, 20 might minutes. Know. Huh? Midori might know. She's Midori, Japanese. Yeah, Midori, if you're listening. We love you. Please tell us. Okay. So, yeah, I, I googled what Yaki means. Yo... Yeah, Y O K Y, and Mr. Google Translate said it means uh, good. It makes sense. It's a good company where they make yeah, good food. So if it means good, you know, just for the sake of it, I don't know. So, yeah, uh, he was a martial arts athlete. He was a college graduate. He went to one of the biggest, uh, most hard to get in colleges in Sao Paulo, Getúlio Vargas. FGV, and uh, it's guys, it's damn hard to get in. Like it's it only like the smartest of the smartest. So not only was he very smart, he was a athlete and he was a great hunter. He uh, used to hunt for sport. He has tons of like pictures of him, you know, holding like carcasses and stuff. And he uh, had a collection of over two hundred firearms at his house. Yeah, so we're not talking about just anyone here, all right? So, yeah, at the time of his death, uh, the family was in the middle of a negotiation with General Mills, and General Mills actually bought the company shortly after all this happened. Yeah, for two billion reais. So, Marcos and Elise met in 2004 at either a wine fair or at a escort website. It was actually called Escorts Vogue most generic name you could think of right uh while well, he was still married to his ex-wife he had a daughter with his first marriage lasted four years yeah so after some time they arranged that elise would be of marcus's exclusivity and he bought her a flat he left his wife and in no time he married elise yeah this is like pretty woman if it was directed by like fucking Tim Burton on crack. They had a huge wedding in 2009 with over 300 guests. And uh, they lived a beautiful life for a little bit. They traveled all around the world and ate the best restaurants. Had a ton of expenses. They had a ton of expensive stuff. You know, all the good stuff. And uh, the couple lived at an apartment at 172A. The couple lived at the apartment 172A at 1376 Carlos Weber Street. Uh, Villa, Villa Leopoldina, São Paulo, at the Roma building. So let's try to understand this apartment, all right? I think what actually made me very interested in this case as it was happening was the apartment in itself. Okay, so let's try to understand. Just a context. In São Paulo, uh, a lot of the buildings, they have uh, like multiple, what we call like blocks and stuff. So think of a cell block, you know, block A, block B, whatever. So usually... On top of every building, there is a, a, a every building. There's like a better apartment than every other apartment in that building, and that apartment is like a penthouse at the top floor. So every, pretty much every building is like that. But the top floor is a little better. So at that uh, apartment complex specifically, the uh, penthouse was about like twice the size of the regular apartments. 
and I couldn't really find like uh you know drawings or anything of the penthouse but the regular apartments are three bedrooms and three baths not counting the servants servants quarters right so we can imagine that the uh penthouse is at least double that so uh the apartment they used to live in used to be uh, it could be considered like a quadruplex and the roma the building they, they lived at has two it's considered two buildings but it's really like connected it's the same it's like a uh a C-shaped building, but I think it has two separate entrances. So their apartment could be considered like a, a, a quadruplex. So I don't really have any dimension how fucking big that is, but uh, the roof, the penthouse is 280 square meters. That's more than 3,000 uh, square feet. Just one apartment, all right? And uh, there's only one of the units, but Marcos probably bought uh, the apartments that were next to the, one of the penthouses and converted it to one single huge apartment, like tearing down walls. And it's probably also uh, like expanding probably two or possibly more floors on top of that building. Yeah, we're talking about a huge fucking apartment here. I don't know how many rooms they have. I don't know how many pets. But they had like, I've seen pictures of them with two dogs, but they had a snake, uh, an anaconda named Gigi. So Marcus and Elise, uh love to hunt together. He actually taught her how to hunt. She had four guns registered to her name. And the apartment was decorated with the heads of the animals that they killed. Okay, so Elise said that Marcus... Marcos? Ooh, who is this American <laughs> <Yeah>. girl? Elise <laughs> said that Marcus tried to kill he ex he ex-wife. He ex his ex-wife, but decided to just leave her instead. Mm-hmm. Okay. After about two years of marriage in 2010, she found out that he was cheating on her. He had left his computer open and a woman was calling him on Skype. Oh, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be a little more slick than that. Um, Elise <laughs> found all of their emails and messages. The woman he was cheating on her with was an employee of his. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Classic sleeping with the secretary. Um, they almost got divorced, but after she found out she was pregnant, they opted to stay together. However, this was the beginning of the end. Their baby daughter was born in April of 2011, but after six-ish months, Elisa started to notice Marcos was a little distance. Distant, not distance. I can't (laughs) English today, guys. I can't even Portuguese. I've had a... Anyway. (laughs) (sighs) They had been having trouble in their marriage. The couple even had been to couples counseling with the priest that married them and baptized their daughter. And through an email exchange, the priest told Marcos to be extra careful with his guns to make sure that they were always locked and to be prepared to provide psychological and psychiatric help for Elise to avoid a tragedy. Ooh, mm. I wonder what happened. Yeah, because... You will know in one second. Th- like, this part, I wish I could talk to that priest because he was a Catholic priest, right? So I wonder if Elise, like, actually told him stuff and he couldn't say anything because of confidentiality, you know what I mean? But he tried yeah. to tip Marcos off, like, hey, be careful of your guns. Like, Yeah. Yeah. So, Elise was suspicious of Marcos. So, she hired a PI. Uh, we don't know if she was really getting any solid evidence that he was cheating again, though. But this is when the murdery part of the story begins. Mm-hmm. So, 25 days before the incident, Elise ca- calls 911, which in Brazil is 190. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who's going to be Elise? 
I could be the operator. You can be a Lizzie. Oh my god! Okay, let me All put right. on my um, Meryl Streep wig okay. so I could be a great actress. Okay. Okay. Hello. Um, I don't know if I should be calling emergency services for this, but like my husband threatened me and he left the house. I want to ask if I can change the locks. I'm sorry, ma'am. What? My husband left and threatened me. Can I change the locks? Uh, ma'am, how long have you been married? Five years. Five years. He has the right to be at the house, too, you know? Even though he's threatening me? Well, I don't know what's happening there, but if you want to can register a complaint, so you can talk to an officer at your house, it's up to you. Well... Do you want to register a complaint? Please, I guess. Okay, listeners, now it's time for you to think about it and draw your own conclusions. Was she actually afraid of Marcus or was she starting to articulate her plan? Leave a comment about how great of an actress I am and how great of a 911 operator Carol is. And the Oscars go to... Stephanie, thank you. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank my mom, Tom Hiddleston, (laughs) and gay porn. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, and Wincest. Oh, I cut, <laughs> I cut that out of the episode last <laughs> we're probably gonna just release like one episode at the end of the year with like five hours of just us chatting that we cut out because <laughs> it's too much <laughs> anyways okay so she talked to the police about the incident that night but afterwards she decides to leave the apartment with her daughter and the nanny they went to a hotel and then traveled to Bahia, which is the northern northern region. I mean, it's like far away from Sao Paulo. So, yeah. yeah. You guys didn't like see me waving my arm like, way up Yeah, yeah. you should have seen her do her best weather girl impression where she's pointing out, okay, some sun in Bahia. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, then after Bahia, they went to Paraná. So that's all in the bottom of Brazil now to visit uh, her family. Now, she had never went back to Paraná after she left, Mm -hmm. really, you know, so that's kind of odd. So while they were there, uh, she hired a PI back in Sao Paulo, um, and she kept in contact with the maid at the apartment. So anytime Mm -hmm. that Marcos left, Elise would hear about it and tip the PI off. He was able to see that Marcos and his lover were uh, outside of a restaurant, and he got that on tape. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So those images, they were shown on loop on every single news channel for weeks to come. And uh, they were captured just a day before he was killed, actually. The lady was allegedly from the same website Marcos had met Elisa at. So uh, they had been seeing each other for, like, about three months, twice every week. And she had said that, uh, he said that, he told her that he would break up with Elise after the negotiations with uh, General Mills were over and he had sold the company. His lover. So, Pretty Woman Part 2. Yeah, pretty. <laughs> How many times could you live the same story? But, anyways, so the lover was called Natalia Villarreal Lima. She was 21 years old at the time and she said that Marcos trusted her. He was, she was his confidant. And she says that uh, she wasn't really a sex worker. She just provided company to high-ranking executives. 
Marcos, she said, Marcos never paid her for sex. And it was just gifts, traveling, etc. So that's a sugar daddy. Right? More like God, that. I wish I had one. Yeah. It's, so it's... <clears throat> I don't think it was prostitution. I think it was a different kind of agreement. So she describes uh, their relationship as friends with benefits. And she says mm -hmm. that Marcos was planning to separate from Elise to move to the U.S. and to start a business here. He even offered to bring her with him. And she actually considered it. So she says that by the time they met, the marriage was already in crisis. And she doesn't think that uh, she was... Uh, factor on the eminent separation she says that uh, they would have broken up with or without her and uh she, it, that's really sad she learned about his death through the media and yeah, wow she is to this day afraid of it easy too so back to the timeline so elizy and the daughter are mm. in paraná but on may 19th 2012 the nanny and the baby go back to sao paulo On the way to the airport, she stops at a tool store and buys a, chain, a chainsaw. So, Leatherface Elise. Um, to open wine bottles. Sure. I mean, my sister and my mom drink a lot of wine. And no one has a, cha a chainsaw in my house, okay? How, so, many, how many wine bottles do you have? Can you imagine just, like, How many wine, wine bottles? bottles at once do you want to open? Yeah, so probably, like, like, 20... Yeah, I think there's, she was probably talking about, like, crates, you know? Oh, And she's okay. open, like, just, just like, open. But you can it. open wow. crates with a hammer. I know, like, she, yeah, exactly. She wouldn't need a chainsaw for it. But, I mean, I almost she almost my microphone she, over. I was so exasperated here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just appreciate the it. fact that she chipped a chainsaw. That she, like, actually sent a chainsaw on the plane with her. She was like, okay, yeah. I'm bringing this chainsaw to Sao Paulo. I'm checking Great. this. Yeah. Imagine Angela from the office. I just bought this chainsaw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Marcus picked them up in the airport. Um, the nanny left soon after. Mm -hmm. What we know for absolute certain is that Marcus and Elise had a huge fight. At around 8 o'clock, they ordered some pizza, and he went out to the entrance of the building to pick up the pizza. Mm -hmm. The elevator footage of that is the last time that he was ever seen alive literally right before he died we don't even know if the pizza was eaten by him or not mm -hmm. but more on that later yeah guys you guys know where to find that footage right yeah say oh, with on us <laughs> no on our instagram steph oh right i'm sorry <laughs> Fantastical does have it, but we have it too. Okay, no, you guys are gonna see it. It's not particularly. It's not like Kilis a lamb. You know what I mean? Footage. It's you can just yeah, see that it's just some guy in an elevator. Yeah, like you can see that he is kind of distressed. Like you can see, uh, he kicks the wall, one of the walls in the elevator, and then he uh, gets on the call. Like he's he's um, said he was talking to his dad. I mean, he didn't say anything, mm -hmm. but I mean, the dad uh, told him that it was a call. That they were talking to each other and stuff, and then he does has a stop, and then he gets back in the elevator with the pizza, and that's it. So yeah, okay. pretty sad. So on the next day, mm -hmm. we're jumping like a whole chunk of the story here, but we're gonna get to that later, right? So on the yeah. next day, Elisa goes to the PI, retrieves the video of Marcos and Natalia at the night before, and uh, summons a meeting with Marcos's family. 
she uh, tells them that Marcus has packed a suitcase and left. Apparently, because mm-hmm. she found out that he had a lover and confronted him about it. His dad tells her to wait and see what happens. Three days pass, and he's still nowhere to be seen. Yep. Sounds legit to me. Very. So, the family starts to worry, of course, and they fear that he had been kidnapped. It's not like Marcos to leave like that, especially because he has serious business matters to tend to. It's Wednesday when they finally get an email from Marcos. It was sent to his secretary saying that uh, everything is all right and to, quote, tell mom and Elise that I'm all right, but I can't talk now. Elise is moving money through his accounts, even asking the maid to deposit what a money. fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, she's, she is sending a maid to deposit money to, to make it seem like she is, that Marcos is moving money all around sure yeah of course the family sees that something is off and uh his brother and a colleague request to see the security footage of the night he left to see you know what time he left he left with anyone that kind of thing so uh they're confronted however with the elevator footage of marcus and uh with the fact that there's no way he could have left the building without being caught on camera and meaning that he Mm -hmm. never actually left so, yeah, the next thing they see right after that is Elise leaving the apartment with three seemingly heavy suitcases. Yeah, no, they are. Because I remember, um, so I was already here when this mm-hmm. crime happened. Did you hear something? No, I think it was on your end. So I was already in the States mm-hmm. when this crime happened. And I remember it looks like she's dragging the suitcase. Yeah, like, it's dragging. really like she's having a yeah. hard time. And, like, not subtle at all, Mm -hmm. can I just say. So, Elise is there looking at the footage with them, crying, making a whole scene. They spend a good amount of time that day looking through security footage, and so that when they take a break to eat, they order some pizza again. Again, Sao Paulo is the city of pizza. You know that we actually have a pollution problem because of how how much pizza we eat? Really? Yeah, because it's all, like... um, Delivered? No, it's all, how's it called? Like when you, the coal uh, furnace. Oh. You know what I mean? So that's a lot. Because it's all coal fired pizza. Yeah, all, all, all coal stuff. So, yeah, we, also because, I mean, at least at the time I left, there was not many like delivery options except for pizza. You could either get pizza or like uh, Arab food. So. Well, and all they have this thing that, well, yeah, I mean, that's I don't know if they have apps. it because yeah. I never used it. But they they have this app called iFood. Yeah, where I mean, they yeah. just order With like iFood. Anything. I believe it's kind of easier to get food now, but yeah. you know, way back when, twenty years ago, when I left, so <laughs> twenty years ago, uh, let's make it a thing that every episode I make myself seem of a different age, right? You that's take a good. shot, listener. Yeah, so uh, they order pizza and they eat it at the apartment. When the colleague goes to the kitchen to throw the trash away, he notices that the trash bags used at the household were very uncommon. He had never seen that kind of trash bag before. It was like light blue with red straps. And so, you know, they found out they found out that the bags were imported and that is relevant later. So I try to figure out what blue bags with red straps mean. And the only thing I could mm-hmm. figure out is like because you have those kinds of bags in the U.S., but I, I don't remember if we have it in Brazil. That you ha- that it has the straps that you pull on it and the bag closes. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, I tr- I did some research on trash bags in Brazil, and I couldn't find any that have those uh, straps. So it could be that they are actually buying American trash bags to use. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I believe <laughs> that. I believe that that is uh, bougie enough. You know what I mean. So, yeah. So the family goes to the police because they are convinced it's a kidnapping by now. However, the investigation turns into a homicide. And a snap of fingers, like it's so fast. It turns really dun, fast. Dun, dun. Yay. Okay, so different body parts begin to be found. All wrapped it all wrapped up on blue bags with red straps. Mm-hmm. Each piece was in a different plastic bag, all found by different people on different times because they were all scattered across across hundreds of feet. They assembled the body, did the autopsy as each uh, piece arrived at the table. They were eight, no, not they were. <laughs> there were a total of six pieces, and each piece was examined in its singularity. They were able to identify Marcos pretty fast, pretty much as soon as they found the head, because the police was on high alert for an Asian missing person slash body, um, even though there's like a million Asian people in Sao no. Paulo. But No, yeah, yeah, but like at that time, if an Asian body pops up, it's... A pretty good chance that it's Marcos, you know? Yeah. Elise became the sole suspect almost immediately. Police couldn't go up into an apartment that did 200 guns and a labyrinth of rooms after rooms and snakes and shit to interrogate her. (laughs) So they pretended to be social services to get Elise to meet them at the entrance of the building. She was confronted by the lead detective who right then and there said, What happened up here? Why'd you kill your husband? She pondered for a while and answered, um, it wasn't me. So they confront her about the footage of her leaving the apartment with the suitcases, and she tells them it's wine. Why, Why would you put wine? Number one, sus- number one excuse ever, right? Why would you put wine in... Okay, anyway. <laughs> I am moving gives- copious amounts of wine, opening crates with a fucking <laughs> chainsaw in this apartment. <laughs> She gives the lead detective the recently washed clothes she had worn that same day and the boots that she she wore, which still had mud on them. Mm-hmm. He tells her that the mud will match the mud at the woods where Marcos was found. So he asks her to go fetch a trash bag and put all of that evidence in. And lo and behold, same trash bags the colleague had seen earlier and the same exact trash bags as the ones Marcos had been found in was given to him. She was arrested soon after, and when she realized that she was the only suspect and that they had pretty good evidence against her, she confessed on June 6, 2012. At least by a few different types of trash bags, right? First of all, if your (laughs) trash bags are that unique, why don't you just throw them all away and start using supermarket bags like a regular person, okay? Yes, I know, right? So, according to Elise, that's her version of events, when they got home that night, after Marcus picked him up at the airport, she confronted him with the PI's findings. They fight, he slaps her across the the face and uh, orders some pizza afterwards. And uh, it gets there at around 8 o'clock, he goes out to get it. When he uh, comes back to the apartment, he starts fighting with Elise again. Uh, when she says that she wants to go back to Paranagically with, with her family, he threatens her, saying that if she does so, she, he'll shoot her in the head. 
Uh, she says that she saw him getting angrier and angrier, coming towards her, yelling, and uh, she grabbed one of her guns, an Imbel 380 pistol, and pointing it, pointed it at him just to show him that she was armed. He laughed. So on her testimony, she says that she shot him as a result of the storm of emotions that she felt after she, after he told her that she was going to put her into a mental institution and she was never going to see her daughter again. She, it was like it was the straw that broke the camel's back. That's her description of the abuse. Sounds so legit. All of this. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, but let's sit on the information for a little bit. So uh, she didn't really sleep that night. The only way she found to get him out of the apartment was to, quote, unfortunately, cut him up, unfortunately. She says that uh, she, she did that because she was afraid that she would get arrested and, as a result, never see her daughter again. Which, spoiler alert, is exactly what happens. So, yeah, she says that she didn't really want to kill him, but and that she didn't do it out of cruelty, and she deeply regrets. She deeply regrets everything that she has done. <sighs> Sounds like so genuine, all of this. So. Mm-hmm. At the reconstruction of the crime scene, following her narrative, she puts herself right across Marcos at the end of the hallway at the entrance of the apartment, looking right onto his eyes. So he's standing up, moving and talking to her. Following that narrative, the bullet travels a good distance and hits him going upwards into his head because she's short and pointing at him, so she's slightly, so she's slightly pointing up. She's barely five feet tall and he was five nine. So you However, guys, you guys see just the visuals, okay? It's important. Pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. She's okay. Do a finger guns with your fingers right now. Okay. <laughs> you, if you're pointing at someone that is exactly your height, you know, pointing straight. It's but straight. if you're pointing at someone yeah. who is a feet taller than you are, you're pointing up, right? You're pointing up. So is there any yeah. way that the the bullet would go in any any other like direction than traveling upwards? Upwards. No. No way. I'm so sorry. Go on. So, the forensics tell a different story. Gunpowder residue indicates that the bullet was shot from the smaller distance, that from a smaller distance than the one that she had described, with the entry point almost on top of his head, and the bullet was still lodged at the base of his cranium. Digest this information. Yeah. Digest it. Yes. Oh, oh my! I love this story so much. I'm sorry. So. <laughs> Not in a not in a good way, in a bad mm-hmm. way. No, it's just so interesting because, like, I even want to post a video of her, um, like, giving her testimony in trial. There's uh, that video is available out there, and you almost believe it. You know what I mean? You yeah, almost believe so. that he is such a bad person. You know what I mean? And that she's just doing it because of this, because he's calling her names, and but then. You know, you're confronted with the actual evidence of what happened, and you just realize that she is just a master manipulator. You know? So, in reality, when he got out of the elevator with the pizza, Elisa was already across from the hallway with the gun drawn and pointed at the door. When he sees her, he ducks. She shoots him anyway. She moves him to one of the guest rooms and starts to work on the body. First on the knees then the belly, then the arms, and lastly, the head. So this is fucking, like, it's one thing for you to be a battered wife and you, like, kill in Mm self-defense or, like, just kill someone in the heat of the moment. But if you're going to actually go Mm -hmm. through the lengths of 
chopping this person up with a chainsaw. This is fucking... Yeah. And this is cold. The detail that she starts on the knees and then she moves up and the last thing she cuts is uh, the head. Yeah. Like, she is looking at his face the whole time. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. She's looking at him That's like, you motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. So, also, his autopsy reports show that he died not, a, not as a result of the bullet to the head, but because of asphyxiation resulting from blood aspiration, meaning that he was fucking alive as he was being dismembered. He only died when he was decapitated. So, can you imagine... Just laying down there, not being able to move, and someone fucking cutting off your mm-hmm. legs, then your torso, then your arms, and then you die. That's torture. I mean, I would love, I, I really like to think that he was unconscious for this, but uh, it's kind of. Proven. I feel like he would have woken up with the pain. Probably. But, I mean, the medical examiner said that if. Uh, he had actually been helped and he like if he got an ambulance right after the bullet got into his brain he would have probably survived like he would have been fine the bullet was not uh fatal so that's really sad and gruesome yeah. we should have done the trigger warning for this because that's a lot of descriptions <laughs> so yeah she uh puts each individual ple- piece in a plastic trash bag and then puts each bag into a suitcase and leaves uh, through the servant's elevator. She, uh, yeah, because... Did we say that here in this podcast already? So most buildings have like two sets of elevators. One better one that's for the people that actually live there. And a more decrepit elevator for the servants. Which is fucked up. I always thought it was so awful. Yeah. A few yeah. buildings here have a, like a servant's elevator. Mm-hmm. Which is like technically what the servants are supposed to use. But I haven't seen that um, Mm -hmm. very, like, well, but then again, most of the apartments that I've been to here in Boston are, like, triple deckers. Mm -hmm. So they're not, like, actual apartment buildings. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're, like, houses that were converted into apartments. Yeah. So she hits the highway bound to Paraná with the intention of disposing of the body there. However, she is stopped by the police for speeding, still with the suitcases in the car. She doesn't have the documents that she needs for the car, so in reality, the car should have been apprehended right then and there. But she uh, is able to talk her way out of it. Again, she's a master manipulator. And uh, she turns back around and drives on the direction of their country house near the region of Cochilla in Sao Paulo. So at a deserted road... At the middle of nowhere, she disposes of the body. Oof. So, Elise was the only beneficiary of his life insurance policy, and that's like over 600,000 reais that she would uh, get if she got, if he died. Uh, so, Elise, however, she wasn't the heir to, uh, is that how you say it? Heir? Yeah, she wasn't, the, not the heir, heir. But she wasn't the heir to uh, Marcus's for- fortune. The daughter was. So, when they got married, they uh, had an nuptial agreement that if they separated, each would get half of what they earned after the marriage. So, that's a good amount of money, but less than, you know, what she would get if he died. So, yeah, things kind of click on her head that uh, if they get separated, she would have a much harder life and would probably have to start working again. 
and she doesn't want that, you know, oh, and she, yeah. Tragic. She doesn't Imagine want, having a job. <laughs> yes, she doesn't want to have the same fate as uh, the first wife had, mm-hmm. you know, because it's exactly the same story repeating itself. Yeah. And that sucks, but, you know, and that's what the uh, prosecution argued was the motive. So, I don't know if it was, just putting a fact out there. So, one of the most well-known theories about the case is based on some of the cuts that look different from the rest. So, Marcus's legs and torso were separated from his body without damaging anything. Like, very clean cuts. His organs, his spine were not damaged at all. It was clean, professional cuts. So, remember that she's a nurse and she has aided surgeons and possibly done some small procedures herself, you know. They describe the knees as being, like, disarticulated, so basically like an amputation, like a professional thing. Yeah. Yeah. However, the uh, cuts that were made to the arms and the head had been way, way sloppier. The skin was shredded, like hamburger meat, and uh, there were attempts to kind of fix it to make it look straighter. And the placement of where the cuts were made was also kind of off. So if you had any kind of anatomy uh, knowledge, it wouldn't make those mistakes. So, yeah. Uh, we don't know why that is and why that happened. But there are two possibilities. One is that she started out doing well and, you know, being very careful. But at the end of it, she got so tired that uh, she didn't really care about not being sloppy. Or the second possibility, that the cuts were made by two different people. Da, da, da. Wow. Okay, so however, uh, they couldn't find any evidence of another person in the apartment. And this is sort of dismissed at just hy- as, you know, it's just hypothesis. But it's still worth mentioning, right? Can you imagine if it was like a maid or something helping? Because they help, right? Can you imagine yeah. if she didn't have anything to do with this and she hired people to do it and then she just disposed of the body and she got mm-hmm. fucked and the people yeah. got paid and they got away with it. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. So, uh, Lizzie was sentenced to 19 years, 11 months and a day in prison. The trial lasted seven days and it's the longest trial in Brazilian history. There were 16 witnesses and a lot of debate as to whether it was premeditated or not. Her motives and if she did it with the intentional cruelty were all um, facts that would aggravate her sentence. She was convinced of first-degree murder with the impossibility of the victim to defend themselves. So basically, she just like... Mm-hmm. There was no way that he could have done anything to stop mm-hmm. himself from being murdered. Not that he would have to do that because he is the victim, but you get what I mean. Yeah. The question of motives... And the aggravating factor, though, for the Brazilian law, if a crime is considered to have a vile motive, something that would and could be directly linked to a bad moral character, that adds onto the sentence. So, like vengeance, money, anything that was done out of pure wickedness. The jury didn't think her motives were vile or that the execution was cruel. Excuse me? Because he was unconscious. Uh, so that's why she didn't get the maximum sentence, which is like 33 years. Mm-hmm. So she is now at the official jail of this podcast, Trem and Bat. She Whoa. is a real housewife of Trem and Bat. <laughs> Yay! That's gonna be that's gonna be the intro song to our our show. Real housewives of Trem oh and Bat, <laughs> killing people and little kids. 
and your parents. Yeah, um, we did three episodes <laughs> of people that are on that same prison already, guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, as we've mentioned a million times in this podcast, the prison that's, that is made to house 100 prisoners. At the time Elise got there, it had an occupancy of 153. So, not a very comfy place. Yeah, but it's not that bad, I mean. Yeah, I mean, compared to other Brazilian yeah. prisons, which are overcrowded as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the place where prisoners go if it's determined that their lives would be at risk if they were introduced to a regular prison population. So it's just the worst of the worst there. Ana Carolina Jatobá of episode 2 mm-hmm. and Suzanne von Richthofen of episode 6, I think, maybe, mm-hmm. are in there too. I think yeah. that, I think it was episode 6 or something. I, I know was on 10th. I have no I, idea. I have no idea. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So there she has worked as a librarian and as a seamstress. And uh, there, every three days of work equals a day less and you're sentenced. So, yeah, that's great. Sort of look forward to. Her daughter is now living with Marcus's family and Elise hasn't really seen her since. He, the only visit that she gets is from an aunt of hers. The Kitanos are actually trying to remove Elise's name from the girl's birth certificate and also remove her last name from uh, her daughter's legal name. Yeah. Seems fair to me. Yeah, that's the latest that we have on the case right now. Pretty fair. But yeah, Elise is upset uh, because she, she, in theory, did all that so she could be with her daughter and she... She writes her letters. Bitch. She like you know does the whole insert, thing. Insert yeah. insert that gift from Dennis. <laughs> it's always sunny. Ha! You dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this case, guys, it's huge. It was no idea how huge this was. This was like on TV twenty four seven for a while. It was big. It was big. very intense. Very intense. I was just checking if my food was here. Is it? My sister said yes, but I did. Ah. Did you hear the doorbell ring? No, I didn't, I didn't hear, anything. hear anything. Yeah. <laughs> my sister's pissed because she goes, mm-hmm. "Yeah, okay." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> All right. Just want to know about my food, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie ordered from a place that serves Brazilian and normal people. Oh my god! Yes, can I? Can we, can we wrap up the case so I yes. can read you guys the review? Please. <laughs> So, you guys, that was Elise Matinaga, which is like a big ass case in Brazil. Mm -hmm. We're laughing, but it's we're not laughing about the case, guys. We're laughing about something else. Okay, this is like a multitasking podcast. We can laugh about things and talk about tragedies all at once. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, (laughs) so the place I ordered from. So I found this Brazilian pizzeria near me that um. Oh, so there's Brazilian pizza, which we've talked about here, different mm-hmm. toppings, whatever. And they have like Brazilian burgers, Brazilian hot dogs, whatever. So I ordered from them today. I ordered dinner. And I went on their Facebook page and I was reading some of the reviews. <laughs> so there's a, a few reviews that are in Portuguese. So there's no point of me translating those. Mm-hmm. But listen to these two amazing reviews. This girl goes five stars. Good food for Brazilians and regular people, too. <laughs> so what are Brazilians? Apes? Apes. <laughs> like, 
What do you mean regular people? You could have you could have worded it so much better. You could have been like, oh, good for good authentic Brazilian food and also traditional options. Yeah, good food for Brazilians and everyone else. Yeah, and this guy goes. I guess they cater solely to the Brazilian population in insert town name. For regular people, the food is not good. Possibly the worst pizza in town. I'm sorry. What do you mean regular people? This is like when people say, oh, you people. And I'm like, what do you mean you people? What about my people? I mean, Brazilians are known to eat mounts of trash. So I guess regular people are not used to that kind of culinary. Like, you people, regular, why? There are so many. You could have, first of all, you could have just not written a review. Or you could have been like, pizza here sucks. That's it. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. Um, and so this Brazilian guy responds, what do you mean regular people? The food mm -hmm. there is awesome. If you're unhappy, just don't order there. But don't offend the Brazilian community, asshole. <sighs> yeah, that's what I want to say. I mean, <sighs> couldn't a business just take down this review? I've had a know. review of mine taken down because I was talking trash about this girl. She was Ooh. a cunt to me, okay? But my review was taken down by Yelp. Why was it this, this one? one? Yeah. Xenophobic. I'm about to report. Watch me report this and Facebook be like, this post doesn't go against the communities. Yet when I say <laughs> men are pigs, I get blocked for seven days. <laughs> Did I tell you guys that I went to Facebook jail because I said no. men are pigs? Yeah. I talked about that in my class because I was so mad. <laughs> we were talking about censorship. I was like, let me tell you about censorship, okay? <laughs> in the context of my comment, it makes sense that men are yeah, pigs. Yeah, Like, it was a whole thing. It wasn't just like, oh my god, I hate every single man out there and they're all pigs. Exactly. Like, it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. I'll defend my friend here. It was like, I yeah, wrote you're a, right. a long-winded comment and then I yeah. said, men are pigs. Who the fuck reported that? Or was, is it like a AI, like a fucking watchdog robot? I don't know. It just said, uh, this post is not, I don't know, appropriate or something. You can't post for seven days. Hmm. So. Yeah. So that was locked out. Yeah. Yep. I'm always going to Facebook jail for the stupidest mm -hmm. things. And I'm always rewarding racist and xenophobic freaking comments. And they never get taken out. Yeah, also, today's Super Bowl happens. Sunday, and I'm is from it? Boston, so yes. Hmm. So you can only imagine what is going to happen in this town tomorrow if the Patriots don't win, guys. And I can see people just posting post after post. And like my friends were like, oh, are you watching the game? I'm like, why the fuck would I watch a game? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, no. No. I don't know what the Super Bowl is. I don't participate in that kind of culture. I don't watch Hand Egg. You don't watch what? Hand Egg. Okay, I don't know what that is. Hand Egg is foot hand. football. You play with your feet. And American football, you play with your hand and you hold an egg. Hand oh, Egg. Oh, Hand Egg. Okay. It's anyway. not shaped like an egg. It's shaped like a kiwi. It, it's not <laughs> It's not good and it's not football. You guys and know what a kiwi is? Kiwi is like the no. best. Have you have you ever eaten like 
kiwi here do you guys have it oh my, my mom God. makes really good kiwi so do you guys have like arab restaurants there oh we're talking about arab food again i love arab food so much <coughs> we do Dude, have we best. have a really big um middle eastern population here mm-hmm. but um the kiwis i eat are usually made by brazilians my mom yeah. makes really good kiwi i love kiwi one mm-hmm. of my sisters doesn't eat kiwi, so whenever my mom makes it, mm-hmm. I will eat my share and my sister's share. <laughs> Have you ever eaten uh, raw kiwi? No. Oh I don't my god, think so. it's the best. My you mom's always talking about it, but I don't think I've ever yeah. had it. You, it's like it's raw meat, but it's really good. You eat it with olive oil, onions, and like spearmint. My sister eats Amazing. raw um, ground beef, and the other one eats raw chicken. Yeah, no, but so this maybe. is different. This is like all seasoned and it's all nice. I mean, I I never actually have like authentic Middle Eastern food, but I've had it filtered through Brazilians. I see. It's pretty good. I like I've it. been to like an authentic Middle Eastern restaurant, but I didn't eat anything because mm-hmm. I was like, because you know how I am eating with my mm-hmm. eyes, and I was like, no. Mm-hmm. And I used to be really good friends with a Lebanese girl mm-hmm. in um, high school. It didn't turn out very great in the end of the friendship. But anyway, mm-hmm. we used to go to her house to study like every day after school. Mm-hmm. And her mom would cook like Lebanese food. Oh, mm-hmm. And I never ate anything because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know if I'm going to like it. Because the problem with me is not only do I eat with my eyes, but I'm also worried that if I don't like something, mm-hmm. then I'm going to have to throw it away. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad for throwing it away. And I'm not the type of person that, like, will just eat something if I don't like it. My mom does that all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, she's always trying new food. And even if she doesn't like it, my sister does that also. They they will eat it. But me, if I don't like it, Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. So I was always like, oh, I don't want to make her mom, like, waste food on me. So I'd Mm -hmm. always be like, oh, I've had lunch. Lies. I was hungry as fuck. (laughs) Oh, I've had lunch, you know. Because mm-hmm. she never made, like, American food, like, french fries or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was always, like, traditional Lebanese food. So, I mean, I always try to try new foods, but I am kind of a picky eater also. But what I do is, and it's a trick for life, you guys. Every time, like, that I have the opportunity to try a new food, I always think, am I hungry right now? Because if I am hungry, I won't try, you know? I'll just uh, order something that is safe. You know, because yep. then if I don't like it, like I won't get mad. You know, I'm not hungry anyways. I shouldn't be eating anyways. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I've tried like p- pretty uncommon different stuff. You know what I mean? So, and I, and I like it. Like, I, I think I have a good taste for food. You know what I mean? Like, there's some things I know I'm not going to like and I'm not going to order. But uh, other things, like I'll just try it just to say that I did. You know what I mean? And I mean, I'm like more picky with beverages than with food that makes any sense yeah yeah i'm really picky i'm not one of like everybody's always like oh if you're really hungry you'll eat it no i won't no you won't. i will not eat it yeah i will not eat i will stay hungry and i'll go to bed (laughs) so the hunger will wash away yeah because you know if you if you're hungry and you go to bed then you're not hungry anymore because you're sleeping Mm -hmm. so life tips yeah, yes. I mean, right now I am hungry and sleepy, so that's a good combination. I'm hungry but not sleepy, and I have to wake up early tomorrow. Yeah, because I have to run some errands before I go to work. Mm. So that's gonna be fun. 
I'm trying to think of a way to finish this now. I mean, yeah, I uh, hope you guys liked it. Probably going to cut a lot of this chit-chatting out. And again, tell me if you guys are interested in some kind of bonus content where we just put Curse out... Curse people in Portuguese. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, we have some... Uh, <laughs> we have some files cooking, I guess, of us just talking before the episode starts and stuff. So, uh, in Portuguese and in English. So, just let us know if you guys are interested in anything... Like that, because I don't want to just, you know, let it down. No one listens to it. And I'm going to feel bad, feel bad about myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, just let let us know if you guys are interested on it. If one or two people are interested, then we're just going to put it out. Anyways, as a bonus, you know, just adding to whatever content we have that week. You know, because, you know, we like to put out new stuff for you guys. So, yeah, let us know. Yeah, let us know mm -hmm. and um, make sure to recommend this to all your friends that oh, yeah. like true crime podcasts. If your friend is looking for a podcast and they listen to everything under the sun, mm -hmm. let them know that there is this mediocre but great podcast called Suspiria. Recommend it's not this. mediocre. What are you talking about? I'm trying to be humble here, okay? No, I think if you're... Humble tea is that how you say humble tea? Be humble. Humility? Humility is for peasants, not for us, Steph. We're we're not regular people, okay? Right. Yeah. I forgot that I am a Hiddleston and uh -huh. not just like some random chick. Uh -huh. Did you ever get my gift that they didn't deliver here and they just sent it back to the sender? They refunded me. <gasps> yeah, but they refunded me for like half of the money. I was so mad. What the yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you like. Sounds, I'll send you more stuff next like Christmas. You need to order food for me on Grubhub and just oh, surprise no. me with food. Oh yeah, I need to. I need to make it up for you. But like, dude, I was mad. I was like, how dude, can I, I would love you? that. Is there like an anonymous way that people can order me food, like without finding out where I live? Yeah, that's true. Let me know in the comments because I'm about to like have all of you mm -hmm. order me food. That should be like a P.O. box. It's like a little microwave. And you just put your... For food. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Exactly. So, yeah. Guys. Again, I hope you guys have a good end of the world. I'm going to start finishing it up with all that. Because I did the last week and I liked it. I hope you guys have a good end of the world. And, yeah. Yep. Until next week, I guess. Laters. Later, haters. Bye. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of Suspiria, a true crime podcast. If you are a creep and enjoy listening to all of that horrible information, please check out our previous episodes and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram as Suspiria Podcast. Facebook is also Suspiria Podcast. If you want to follow Carol, you can follow her at Suspiria Carol. And you can follow me at eu.steph. Note, none of us post anything interesting. We do, actually. If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at suspiriapodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao! Ciao.